Welcome to the Weekly Trend, a podcast for navigating the markets through the lens of technical analysis. The Weekly Trend podcast is provided for educational purposes only and does not constitute any professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the information or content without first seeking advice from a registered financial planner. Welcome back to the Weekly Trend podcast. This is a unique one because today is Thursday, March 16th, 2023. We're not recording on a Friday, so we don't have Friday data yet, which sometimes can be the most important, but we do have closing data. The S&P 500 closed at 39.60 this afternoon. And the reason why we're recording like this, uh, and I am recording solo, so you have to bear with me, is we have a pretty busy day tomorrow between our daily responsibilities and also a fundraiser tomorrow called Drives for Lives. And so with that, we wanted to be able to still provide you guys great information with the developments over the past week. At the same time, meet our obligations on Friday for our clients, as well as have a good fundraiser. Drives for Lives, if you haven't heard of it, it's a virtual golf event on St. Patrick's Day, watching March Madness, raising funds for four great organizations that help battle some serious topics of our day, including sex trafficking, combating suicide and depression, and helping with pregnancy counseling. Those are great organizations. If you appreciate this podcast and the information that it provides you, whether you're a client or just a listener, it'd be awesome to have your support. You can go to beatsforheartbeats.com and you can click on donate and we would really appreciate it. We have an audacious goal of raising $125,000 this year. We'd appreciate any type of gift, even if it's in exchange for the information that we provide on here. So again, it's just me today. Uh, No Ian, no Kevin, no Dan. Those guys are going to focus on their main jobs tomorrow. And we're going to go ahead and roll through some things. You've done it. We've done it in the past where I've recorded and we made it through together. As I said, S&P 500 closed at 39.60 today. We'll see what the end of the week brings us, but the backdrop is that the second and third largest bank failures since 2008 took place, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. By now, you're probably very familiar with that. These were the largest bank failures since Washington Mutual in 2008. Of course, the Federal Reserve and the FDIC got involved to protect depositors. It's a really interesting dynamic when we look at what's going on across regional banks. Not all regional banks are the same. You might recall from last week's podcast, we talked about some of the narrative behind it being maybe location-driven, Silicon Valley, West Coast, but yet Signature Bank out of New York. Maybe the commonality there is some of the crypto involvement. That's to be determined. A lot of this stuff is the fog of the unknown, and you have to wait for information to come out. What is interesting to me is that one of the board members of Signature Bank that was put in receivership was Barney Frank. And Barney Frank, if you don't recall, was a representative of our nation at the Capitol. And he was an individual that wrote some important legislation involving banks. You might have heard of Dodd-Frank. He's the Frank, Barney Frank of Dodd-Frank. And the reason why it's notable is there was an accounting called FASB 157 that was passed I believe in early 2008 or late 2007. And basically it was mark to market accounting. And the way I like to describe it is how much is a beach house worth 
on the outer banks of North Carolina, then ask yourself, how much is that same house worth with a hurricane bearing in three or four hours out? And this is the legislation that was passed. Brian Westbury is a very smart individual. He was the first one that pointed this out that FASB 157 definitely was something to take into consideration as exasperating the 2008-2009 financial crisis. So the irony or the coincidental nature of Barney Frank being on a bank board that was put into receivership is notable and interesting. However, it does nothing for helping us manage risk. So we have several large banks pledging funds to a troubled bank, First Republic Bank, which interestingly enough, after that pledge this evening is down minus 16% in the overnight session. Now, again, we'll see where that is by morning and where it is by Friday afternoon. What we do know is that regional banks overall corrected about minus 25% in five days. This is information and stats from Charlie Baleo, but it's the third fastest correction for this industry. Now, the top 15 such scenarios of a minus 25% move or a large move in five days, the previous occurrences took place during previously tough markets. Markets like 2020, 2008, 2011. So not very good company in regards to the veracity of downside move in regional banks in a five-day period. We will continue to see how that plays out. Last week, we mentioned Credit Suisse, which is a bank over in Europe. It is at $2.16. Some of you who have done adaptive education with me are familiar with the concept of moldy grapes, right? You go into the store and the grapes are on sale. It might make sense to go check them out because a low price doesn't mean a good deal if the grapes are moldy. And here we have a moldy Credit Suisse down to $2.16. Low price doesn't mean a good deal. Overall, European financials had been a relative leader this year, has quickly corrected 14% over the past week. So it goes without saying with all these different highlights that we continue to see stress on banks and financials. And because of that pressure, that selling pressure on those areas, we're seeing previous areas of leadership from 2022, like value, fall off. So very rapidly, the market has moved from small and medium value leading, such things as banks and energies and energy and materials, to a very quick flip to mega cap growth and semiconductors. And I should clarify that I don't mean that on an absolute basis, they're ripping higher mega cap growth and, and things like semiconductors, but on a relative basis, they're definitely holding up better than other areas. You may have recalled in past podcasts, we talked about industrials. This was one of the last bastions of value. It has weakened considerably on a relative basis as tech and large cap mega cap growth are relative with over the past week. So it's important information to take in regarding what is happening. Is growth in tech moving quickly to the upside of absolute basis? Not necessarily, but it is holding up on a relative basis better than energy, materials, industrials, your value areas, financials. So it's an interesting dynamic considering the events, obviously, that happen with regional banks. And clients are familiar with how value had been owned in their accounts, but were quickly shed last week, not this week, but last week, as important levels were broken across value. And that's the power of being adaptive. You know, we had a write-up that went out to clients this week. It went out on the Ides of March, which was, it's an important date, right? It's a date we know 
as being the assassination of Julius Caesar in 44 BC. But what's also notable about the Ides of March is it's the 74th day of the Roman calendar. And this typically was a debt settlement period for the Roman Empire. And here we are having banks correcting a debt settlement period near the Ides of March. And that's not lost on us. And from a big picture perspective in this write-up, what we wanted to highlight for clients is this concept of if they don't scare you out, they wear you out. What does that mean? So here's the big picture. We've had 25% corrections from the highs in late 2021 to the lows in October of 2022. In addition, there's been a sideways range that runs from May 2022 through today. And it's a large 20% range that we haven't seen that large of a range since 1974, 75, which turned out to be a bottoming process. Even when we look at periods like the bottoming process in 02 and 03, or an area like 2011, where there was a correction, or even the bottom coming out of the 2009 bottom, this range that we're seeing in duration, so 10 months and size, 20% range, is something we haven't seen for quite some time. And so it's important to look at that and understand is this a bottoming process? And the correct answer is no one knows. People want to say, oh, you know, the next late where a crash is going to happen, or they're going to say, oh, for sure we're moving higher. No one knows, but it's really important to have a game plan for those scenarios. But it is notable that important bottoms do occur in March. For example, notable bear market bottoms were completed in 1980, 2003, 2009, 2016, and 2020. That's from great information from Yale Hirsch. And so we want to pay attention. Is this a bottoming process? It could be. But really, we have to have evidence to prove that it is a bottoming process. In the market right up to our clients, we laid out the three steps. And I'm okay with sharing it with you here because it's really no surprise. If we are going to see a move higher in stocks broadly overall, yes, there are stocks underneath the surface that are moving higher. There are also stocks underneath the surface that are moving lower. And we've been in this large 10-month sideways range in the broad markets. In addition to that, that wear out happening after a scare out of minus 25 or you know, 20 plus percent from late 21 through October of 2022. The first step in building evidence towards further upside for the market would be simply, let's just reclaim our 200-day moving average. Whether we're looking at the S&P 500, small caps, or the NASDAQ 100, these would be good things to reclaim, right? Looking at the prior 200 trading days of information on average, can we be above that? So, so far, NASDAQ 100 has held its 200-day, meaning it's slightly above it. S&P 500 just reclaimed it today. We'll see if it can do that again through tomorrow. But small caps, again, small caps think value are still below their 200-day moving average. This makes sense, right? NASDAQ 100 is your mega cap, your big cap tech. I just got finished highlighting the different areas that have shown held up on a relative basis, and those are your mega cap, large cap tech areas. It makes sense that the Qs have held its 200-day moving average. S&P 500 did so today. Small caps still below. Step two, right? So first, let's just reclaim that level. Step two would be, let's reclaim the 4080, 4180 level on the S&P 500. Why is this important? 
that level is something that carries significance going all the way back to May of 2022. After breaking down and confirming a downtrend in April, we retested this level, this 4080 to 4180 level, and subsequently sell, sold off and have moved sideways since. And when we talk about 2023, and we talked about the breath thrust that we saw, the Whaley breath thrust and the breakaway momentum recorded in January, those have subsequently been given back. And wouldn't you know it, they were given back at the 41, the 4080, 4180 level. In fact, at the 4080 level, we've seen two days, one in February and Mar one in March, with 90% down date, 90% of stocks in the NYSE participating to the downside. That is a breath thrust to you know downwards rather than upwards. And so this is the weakest response we've seen to those type of momentum measurements, whether it's Whaley or breakaway momentum. And so this 4080 level, super important. Step one, reclaim the 200-day moving average. Step two, reclaim the 4080 to 4180 level. We're still below there. And I know it sounds like a broken record. We've talked about it over and over on here, but it's really an important area because right? This is behavioral finance. Where have sellers showed up in the past? Consistently at the 4080 to 4180 level. Broadly speaking, from an S&P 500 speaking level, we need to see that reclaim. Step three would be, how about we just stay above that level, right? If you're going to move higher in price, you need to move higher in price. So reclaim 4080, reclaim 4180, and stay above it. Those three steps would lead us to have a very high conviction rate or the evidence stacked would be extremely high that a new bull leg is upon us. And that would be great because big picture again, broad markets have been in a correction since November of 21, sideways since May of 2022, and many stocks underneath the surface actually have been in correction since February of 2021. So we've had a few you know, almost two years of a bear market. In addition, I'll highlight we had a bear market in 2018 and a bear market in 2020. So that's three bear markets in a four to five years time frame when we normally average a bear market a 20% correction once every four and a half years. So we've got a cluster of bear markets. Is it possible that we come out of this consolidation and move higher? Absolutely, considering the narratives of our day, whether it's the banking crisis, recession, uh, yield curve, inflation. There are a lot of bricks in the wall of worry. Now, what I will say is that bottoming processes happen in March, but could there be a final capitulation event lower? And that marks the low before we move higher. TBD, the only way we would know that that would take place is if we took out the swing low or the low from what we call December of 2022 around the 3,800 level. If we're below the 3,800 level, we want nothing to do with stocks. And we this is also taking place, right? So since the end of January, bullish percent is another way to measure breath. What is breath? Breath is measuring participation of stocks. This measurement flipped to O's. What does that mean? It means that more stocks are on a sell signal than buy stocks. And this is, I would describe this event that took place at the end of January, equivalent to bulls turning the ball over at midfield. And now through the current day, bears have marched the ball down to the bull goal line. And so the next few weeks will be pivotal. As an example of some other breath metrics, at the end of January, 
68% of S&P 500 stocks were above their 200-day moving average. Today, 44% of S&P 500 stocks are above their 200-day. At the end of January, 72% of S&P 500 stocks were above their 50-day. Today, 24% of S&P 500 stocks are above their 50-day. If we look at the New York Stock Exchange, which is a, a much larger constituency, so it's a broader measurement, it's not just the S&P 500, which is very cap-weighted. At the end of January, 67% of the NYSE was above its 200-day moving average. Today, only 43%. At the end of January, 81% of the NYSE was above its 50-day moving average. Now it's 22. So we've seen a deterioration in breadth, and this makes sense We can when we consider that when we think value, when we identify what value is, whether it's banks or financials overall, industrials, materials, biotech, these have all been the weakest area. And they're actually a higher quantity of stocks, even though they're not high, the higher capitalized stocks. And so by seeing value deteriorate so bad, it makes sense to see a deterioration in breadth that we've seen. So time and information or the incoming data is important. That's why we call ourselves Bayesian. As additional data comes in, it provides more information. And so really, you know, if we look at something like mega caps versus micro caps, mega caps are now breaking out on a relative basis versus micro caps. It's a very somewhat similar, similar situation that we've seen in the past. And really we need to have a game plan for that, which I've highlighted with the three steps. I've also highlighted the downside, that 3,800, 3,780 level, that if we're below that, we don't have anything to do with stocks. Cash is a position too. We know that from compression comes expansion. Now, if this 20% range is actually built up energy, it's going to be interesting to see potentially how much higher stocks could go if they break above 4180 or how much lower they could go if they break below 3780. This sideways range since May of 2022 has built up energy and the resolution out of that is going to be very important. Those familiar with the adaptive select ETF know that it uses a measurement of a five-day and a 200-day moving average in relationship with each other. This was something else highlighted in the market write-up. Clients are aware that we're holding high levels of cash in this environment until the three steps are completed. We can increase exposure when step one is completed steps two and three, even more aggressively. When we look at the five-day and 200-day moving average and using adaptive select, if that were to stay that way on a Friday, for something like the 500 largest stocks in the S&P, 500 stocks in the US, largest stocks in the US, which is different than the S&P 500, if that were to be the case, that product would move to T-bills and into protective mode, which is a valuable way to manage risk and to seek to reduce any type of exposure to market corrections. So tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. Interestingly enough, Ryan Dietrich has put out some information. He's a, he's a big uh, statistician when it comes to seasonality. And St. Patrick's Day is one of the greenest days of the year. That's, I, seem, I think that seems to be very appropriate. And it's actually the best day on average for the first nine months of the year. And it's the fourth best day for the entire year. So we'll see if that plays out, if that comes to fruition tomorrow, March 17th, 2023. 
again, those three steps are important. Step one has been completed by the S&P 500. Can it get above 4180 and sustain trade there? That will be the exceptional, that will be the most paramount barometer measuring the overall uh, broad market health. Again, there's going to be some things underneath the surface that might be working, but this these last few weeks have really deteriorated breath, especially after a scenario where we came out of October of 2022, where October of 2022, we had record short selling. Going into January, we had record short covering, which caused all sorts of breath thrusts like the Whaley and the breakaway momentum. And yet now we're in a period where we've had the weakest response after one of those thrusts that we've ever recorded. And that is notable as well. And it doesn't really, from an evidence standpoint, you've got, you've got something for the bulls and something for the bears. For the bears, regional banking stocks, if those continue to sell off, that's not really a characteristic of a healthy market. However, on the flip side, when you see big cap tech and semiconductors, which are your growth areas, which are typically on the risk spectrum, you're taking on more risk to get return. The fact that those have held up is definitely evidence towards further upside. And it's really to be determined. And that's the hard part is some people would say, give me a prediction, tell me what's going to happen. I can't tell you what's going to happen, but like a quarterback in football or like a point guard in the basketball team, if someone zigs, I'm going to zag. And you have to have a binary plan for when certain levels are broken, what's going to happen. When certain levels are reclaimed, what's going to happen. And this is called being adaptive. And so with that, I want to wrap up this, this podcast. I know it's not as long as our other ones, but as far as being able to listen to the same voice for 20 minutes, congratulations. I appreciate you guys listening. Again, I'll highlight Drives for Lives, our charity event that are going to support four great organizations that are on the front lines. When I think about, do I have the ability, am I an expert in counseling someone who has anxiety and depression or considering suicide? Am I an expert in counseling someone who's pregnant and trying to decide what to do with her life and the baby's life? Am I an expert in retrieving those who might be caught in sex trafficking? Am I an expert in helping join a foster child with foster parents? No, but I can be part of something, part of a movement that raises funds, works as a conduit to give to those experts to carry out those things because they are tremendously needed in our world today. So if that's motivating to you, if that's something you're interested in, I highly encourage you to donate. Beatsforheartbeats.com, click donate. Full disclosure, I am a board member. I'm a non-compensated. Nobody on the board is compensated. I should be clear on this. These proceeds, the proceeds from these events go to these four organizations. And if it's just as a thank you for doing this podcast and providing this great information, or you're motivated by where these funds could be going, you can go to beatsforheartbeats.com. On there, you can see where the, the organization's involved and where the money's going. If it moves you, click donate. We would love it. Otherwise, we have to wait for those three steps to play out in the market. Sometimes waiting is the best thing and also the hardest thing, especially after the market has corrected 25% and moved sideways in a 20% range, the largest range we've seen since the mid-70s. If they don't scare you out, they wear you out. 
but we're not going to get worn out. We're going to stay disciplined to the adaptive process and move forward. Again, thank you for listening. If you like this, give us high rankings, share it with your friends, helps us get the word out. You guys have a great weekend. And I should say, go Marquette or go Houston. That's what I've got in my brackets. I hope you guys are enjoying March Madness as well. Take care. Mm-hmm.